Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the rite of purification as we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 7. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Uh, it was necessary to sort of cleanse yourself from all of the pollution of the Gentiles. So they had this whole purification right. You remember when Paul returned to Jerusalem and the feast day was coming and Paul wanted to participate in the feast day in Jerusalem as long as he was there. And so uh, he started into the purification rites. And he started sponsoring a couple of young men in the purification rites because you couldn't work during this time. So you really needed someone to sort of sponsor you if you didn't have the bucks yourself. And so James said, now, Paul, they hear that, you know, you've been stirring up, you know, the Jews in the Gentile cities and you're not really being a good Jewish boy and you've been following the practice of Gentiles and all. Now, a lot of, you know, the church is quite upset. You know, they hear that you're sort of radical and, and, and out, you know, out there among the Gentiles. So why don't you just sort of settle them all down and take the part of a good Jew boy and, and just go ahead and go through the rites and, and sponsor these two boys and, and show everybody that, you know, you're still a Jew. So Paul, to keep peace, went into the temple, went through the purification rites, but it was there that some of the Jews from Asia who were also being purified saw Paul and... Uh, they said, this is a fellow who has created all the problems through Asia and all. And the big tumult where Paul was saved, actually, from a lynching mob by the Roman guard and taken into uh, the fortress of Antonio, where as he was going in, he said to the guard, let me talk to these people a minute. And the guard said, okay. And uh, so Paul began to preach this. He waved his hand, quiet, folks, you know, and they were, all out there yelling and screaming, you know, kill him, get rid of him. And, and uh, so, fine, let me talk to you fellas, quiet a minute. And they all hushed and Paul began to tell them, hey, look, I know how you feel. I, I know where you're at. I was just like you are. Look, the, the, the Pharisees, they'll testify that I was one of them. In fact, I was persecuting the church. I thought I was doing God a service just like you do today. I know what's that. I know, I know exactly how you feel. In fact, it was when I was on my way to Damascus that I was apprehended by Jesus Christ. And he said, why are you persecuting me? And I said, who are you, Lord, that I might serve you? And he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And Paul said, and so he spoke to me and said that he was going to send me to the Gentiles. Now, when he said the word Gentiles, Things just broke loose. People began to rip off their clothes, throw dirt in the air, start screaming and all. And he was talking to the people in Hebrew so that the Roman captain couldn't understand. He was, of course, knew Latin, but uh, he didn't know what Paul had said. And the, and the crowd started rushing and he said, grab him inside quick. And they took Paul inside the, uh, the uh, fortress there. And he said, Find out what he said to those people. Scourge him. Make him tell. Now, the scourging was actually the Roman third degree. They would take and whip you with this 
leather whip with little bits of lead embedded in it and broken glass. And they would lay it across your back, ripping open your back until you would scream out your crime or whatever. And, and so he said, examine him by scourging. Find out what he said. Created such a tumult out there. And so Paul was going through this same purification thing. Now, the people had come. But here they were straggling in, and the time for this ceremony had arrived, and they just came. They didn't have time to, to go through the whole ritual of, of, of sanctifying themselves. So Hezekiah said, Lord... Have mercy on these poor people. They've come so far, and here they are to worship you. Let them get by without the rites. You know, let, let's bypass the whole ritual and just receive them, Lord. And the Lord spoke and said that he would receive them without the rituals for them to go ahead and observe the Passover. And so it was a turning point again for the people in turning them back to God and Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon everyone. I like that. That prepares his heart to seek God. And Jehovah, God of the fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary, and the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah, he healed the people. And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days with great gladness, such a great celebration they decided to go on for another seven days. And so they went on for seven more days, worshiping the Lord. And Hezekiah spake comfortably unto all the Levites that taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And they did eat throughout the feast for seven days, offering peace offerings, making confession, to the Lord God of their father, and then determined to go on for seven more days. So there was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, there had never been an occasion like this in Jerusalem for many, many years. Then the priests and the Levites arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to the holy dwelling place, even unto heaven. Now when all of this was finished, all of Israel and those that were present went out of the cities of Judah and they broke the images in pieces. They cut down the groves. They threw down the high places, the altars from Judah, Benjamin, in Ephraim, and in Manasseh until they had utterly destroyed them all. And all the children of Israel returned every man to his possession into their own cities. So it was a, it was a spiritual revival, spiritual movement as these guys went back up to the north. They, they broke down all of the images, the idols of Baal and the places of worship for the pagan gods that had been established in the northern kingdom. And they just went through sort of cleansing the land from all of the remnants of their idolatry that they had fallen into. And Hezekiah appointed the courses for the priests and the Levites that each man might serve the Lord according to his own course. And he appointed the king's portion of his substance for the burnt offerings, for the morning and evening sacrifices. He commanded the people who dwelled in Jerusalem to give the portion to the priests and the Levites and all, and that they might bring in the tithe of all things. And the people brought in abundantly. And so the, the, there, there was plenty for the house of the Lord. And thus did Hezekiah throughout all of Judah. He wrought that which was good and right and 
truth before the Lord his God, and in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and the commandments to seek God, he did it with all of his heart, and he prospered. Now in chapter 32, we find that Shennacherib, the king of Assyria, was coming against them. He entered into Judah, and he encamped against the fenced cities he thought to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Shennacherib was come, and that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with the princes and with his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. Now he said, why should he come and find all of this water here? Let's stop up all of these springs and all so that they won't know where the water supplies are that are outside of the city of Jerusalem. So uh, they went about and they stopped up all of the springs on the outside of the city of Jerusalem. And they set the captains of war over the people. They gathered them together in the street of the gate of the city and spake to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for all of the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. For with him is the arm of flesh. But with us is Jehovah our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. So Hezekiah gathered the people together in the streets of Jerusalem. And he said, now don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. There are more with us than are with them. Now, with the Syrian army, there were at least 185,000 fighting troops. And here's the king saying, don't be afraid, don't worry. There's more that are with us than are with them. Can you imagine what 185,000 men would look like coming over the hill? That's a lot of people. Don't worry, don't be afraid. More with us than with them, for with them is the arm of flesh. But with us is Jehovah God. Oh, how we need to realize that if God be for us, who can be against us? There is always more for us and with us than is with the enemy. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. As a child of God, you should never be fearful or terrified of the enemy. Never. We need to have that awareness and consciousness of God's presence with us. With them, the arm of flesh, with us, Jehovah our God. We've got them outnumbered. We've got Jehovah on our side. And so the people, it said, rested in the words of Hezekiah, which is beautiful. Now, Shennacherib sent these guys to Jerusalem. He was busy in battle at Lachish. And he sent these messengers to Hezekiah with these threatening letters. 
telling them to surrender or get wiped out. And he said, don't trust in the words of Hezekiah, your king, saying that your God is going to deliver you. Where are the gods of the Syrians? Where are the gods of the other kingdoms that we've destroyed? No god of any of the kingdoms have been able to deliver the, their people out of our hand. And, and these letters were actually blasphemous letters against the Lord, who Hezekiah was encouraging the people to trust in. And, and this, these messengers were there and they were speaking in the Hebrew language to the people standing on the wall, taunting them, saying, don't trust in the words of Hezekiah. You know, surrender, give up. Because if we, if we come with our armies, we're just going to rip you up. And they were giving them all these threats. Don't let Hezekiah deceive you, saying, trust in Jehovah. Now the word of the Lord came to Hezekiah through Isaiah, to just rest in God, trust in the Lord, he would deliver. And the angel of the Lord went through the camp of the Assyrians in one night and wiped out 185,000 troops. So that when the Israelis woke up in the morning and looked out, there were all these dead corpses on the ground. Those that remained of the Assyrians fled back to Assyria including the king, Shennacherib, who, when he came back to Assyria, went into the temple of his God. His two sons killed him. And so they saw the delivering power of God. Now, as we get into Isaiah, Isaiah will give us more background in this, quite a bit of more detail of this particular victory of God over the Assyrians because they trusted in the Lord, the words of Hezekiah. Now, verse 21 gives you a brief little thing. The Lord sent an angel which cut off the mighty men of valor, the leaders and the captains in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned ashamed where he was assassinated back to his own land. Verse 24, and in those days Hezekiah was sick to death he prayed to the Lord and he spake unto him and he gave him a sign. But Hezekiah rendered not again according to the benefit done unto him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore there was wrath upon him and upon Judah and Jerusalem. Now Hezekiah was sick. Isaiah came to him and said, Set your house in order, you're going to die and not live. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he began to pray. He prayed all night. Isaiah tells us about the prayer of Hezekiah in the book of Isaiah. We'll get more into that. And naturally, this is, this is a good time to read the prophecy of Isaiah and of Jeremiah as we deal with these last few chapters. But Isaiah tells us how that he cried all night long before the Lord, turning his face to the wall. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, go back and tell the king that I'll give him another 10 years or 15 years. And so the Lord extended the life of Hezekiah. But it was tragic. Now, there is a direct will of God for our lives, and I believe that there is a permissive will of God for our lives. 
I believe that God does permit certain things that are not necessarily his direct purpose and plan for your life. But here you are insisting on something, crying out to God, insisting, and, and so God permits. In the case of Balaam, when Balak the king sent to him and said, I want you to come and curse these people that are coming through the land. Balaam prayed and God said, Thou shalt not go to the king, thou shalt not curse them, for they are blessed, they're my people. So Balaam sent back a message to the king and said, I'm sorry, king, I can't come, I can't curse them, because these people are God's people, they're blessed of God. So Balak sent back other messengers with a lot of loot and said, look, the king wants you to just come and counsel him concerning these people. And Balaam saw all of the loot that he was being offered for just being the counselor. And this time, I'm sure he really prayed, oh, God, please let me go. Oh, Lord, please, 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 you know, because he was so greedy of, of all this loot that was being offered. So the Lord said, all right, go. I mean, here's a guy, please, oh, God, God, help, please, Lord, you know, and, and God said, go. But you just be careful. You don't say any more than what I've told you, to, you know, than what I put in your mouth. So Balaam gets on his donkey, heading out. And in his mind, all the visions of sugar plums dancing in his head. The, the things that he's going to be able to buy with all of the loot that the king is offering. And suddenly the little donkey turns off the path. And he beats the little donkey, gets him back on the road again. Pretty soon the little donkey sort of edges in towards the cliff, gets his ankle. He beats the donkey again. Pretty soon the little donkey just sits down, refuses to go. He beats it again. And at this time the little donkey's had enough. He turns around and says, do you think that's right to beat me three times? Haven't I been a faithful donkey to you ever since you've owned me? And Balaam was so mad he talked back to him. and said, you bet your life I'm right in beating you, you stubborn beast. If I had a club, I'd kill you. And then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing there with a drawn sword. And Balaam says, wait a minute. The angel said, you better thank that little donkey. If it weren't for him, I'd have had your head. Balaam said, I'll go back. I'll go back. That's all right. I'll go back. And they said, no, you've come this far. You go. But surely God had declared his direct will, don't go. Stay out of it. But because of greed, he was insisting on going. And God permitted him to go. Here is Hezekiah. Now, we talk about praying. And prayer changing God. And, and in a sense, God allotted and allowed Hezekiah's life to be extended for a period of time. But it was tragic. Because during this period of time, this king who had been so good and had brought so much good to the people of God, now he began to be lifted up with pride. The last years of his life were different. He wasn't that humble servant of God any longer. Now, because God had begun to prosper the kingdom, 
after Shennacherib was wiped out, man, all of the kings began to send him presents and gifts because the Assyrians have been wiping everybody else out. And now this horrible threat of Assyria is reduced. Having been defeated by the Lord there before Hezekiah, all of the kings are sending him a lot of gifts and he becomes a very wealthy man. And now he begins to be prideful and, and of all of his wealth. Got his eyes onto that. Tragic. Because it was during this period of time also that a son was born to him named Manasseh. And this son was one of the most wicked kings in all of Israel. So it probably would have been better for him and for the nation had he died. But he was praying and insisting that God would heal him. If indeed you can change the mind of God through your prayers, it's always going to be for your worse. If you can insist, Lord, my will be done, God, and God will in a gracious kind of a gesture, allow your will to be done, it's going to be the worst thing that ever happened to you. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Second Chronicles on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Chronicles 30-32 through 32 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord keep His hand upon your life And may he open up your heart and your mind and your understanding to the things of the Spirit. And thus, may you live in that place where God can bless you as he desires to bless you. May you keep yourself in the love of God. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a timely book entitled Philippians, a Bible study for women by Kay Smith, wife of Pastor Chuck. In times of hardship and doubt, are you filled with joy? If this less-than-perfect world has robbed you of joy and filled you instead with fear and worry, you must learn the secrets found in the book of Philippians. 
Join Kay as she discovers the Apostle Paul's top secrets to a life filled with joy, available to every Christian woman today. Sometimes in the deepest trials, God will so minister to us, or the Holy Spirit will so minister to us, that even in the deepest trials, we can have joy. And that's what we're trying to impress on the people's heart. We have joy just because we have Jesus. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD. That's 1-800-272-9673. And godliness with contentment is great gain.